salvation, comfort, and healing for Bill. Amen. We want to also remember and continue to remember our sister Cheryl Goss. Amen. An urgent need there. 
and also our sister, Krista Bondi. Amen, Brother Tom. Amen. God can do anything in this atmosphere. How many are needy? How many desire to meet a need that God would come down in a special way? He's a very present help in time of trouble. These are troubled times. We have a need in the Gruner family. We believe and prayed this morning that God will meet that need supernaturally. God knows no space, no time. He knows no distance. He's a very present help in time of trouble. We are not a people that get moved by feelings and emotion. We are people that get moved by the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord said, ask anything in my name, believing, and you shall have what you ask. So if you got a need this morning, why don't you just lift up your voice and say, Lord, I ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Heavenly Father, as our hands are raised and we've sung the song in that name of Jesus Christ, the demons tremble. Worlds were created by the very word of God. And that word of God is living within a people today. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, for every need that has been represented here with uplifted hands. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, when Peter walked down the streets and realized that there was a lame person and said, Do you have faith? And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and be whole. Lord, let us take that name that has been manifested in this hour. The interpretation of the word of the Lord is the name of God. And let that spirit move. Lord, we're thankful for believers that are represented here this morning. We're not going to give, Lord, room for the enemy. We claim Sister Cheryl for the glory of God. She may lay in a hospital room. Doctors are doing their best, but there's a Dr. Jesus on the scene. Lord, I pray, God, you'll drive cancer away. You'll drive inflammation away. God, you will touch her and raise her up for the glory of God. We believe believe for Sister Krista Bondi up in years, Lord, yet still strong in faith. We pray that you'll touch her in a special way. You touch Sister Eleanor. Touch Brother Milko. Touch Brother EBA. Touch the assembly of the living God this morning. Anoint your servant, Brother Michael, Lord. Let the word of God go in power and demonstration, meeting the needs of your children. Lord, we've been praying for Caleb and, and the need in the Grunert family. We deny Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you'll grant to them all that their hearts are desiring. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll take control of the service. Let there be an expectation. Let the le- our level of expectation raise high, Lord, amongst this church. We love you. We thank you for the presence of God. Meet every need that Brother Anthony mentioned this morning. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, God bless you. And God bless the offering this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. You may have your seats. Greet all those that are visiting with us. We've got our sister Fortune, a friend, um, with her this morning. If you would like to stand, stand, we could greet you this morning. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> also, our sister Sharon Rose is uh, visiting with us for two weeks from Ontario. Sister Sharon, could you stand? We greet you this morning. Amen. God bless you. Amen. And those on the internet, phone hookups, please. Trust that the Lord be with you this morning also. 
Could we sing, I'm casting all my cares on you? I know you love me. We'll just sing the one chorus. So I'm casting all my cares on you. I know you love me.
Lord, surely our voices won't be silent this morning. Lord, as I was pondering, Lord, the throne room of God is the angels and the seraphims there crying, holy, holy, holy. There they are formed solely to worship you, solely just to cry out how holy and worthy you are. And I thought, Lord, here we are coming to your house of worship this morning. And Lord, the angels don't know nothing about sin. They don't know nothing about being saved. They don't know nothing about being in darkness and bound. And Lord, in a hurting place and a wounded place and complexities of our humanity, they don't know nothing about that, but yet they can cry worthy and holy. Surely there's a people this morning that have been released from the bondage of sin that Lord have been Lord the chains of darkness have, have been loose from us Lord diseases have been healed surely we can sing to you and let our voices cry out holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come oh God that's what we've come this morning let not the angels Lord be above our praise Lord, let not nobody be above our praise, but the children of the Lord have a right to shout and sing. Oh, God, we thank you this morning that we have a voice in our lungs still today. You've given us today, and so we'll worship you. You've given us breath in our lungs, so we'll worship you. Lord, if you would take us off the scene, then you're done with our part here, and we could enter into your presence. But until that moment, we worship you this morning. And tomorrow we'll do the same. That our lives could be, Lord, just an emittance of, Lord, your, your life. And, Lord, our worship to you, oh God. We thank you. We dedicate this service to you. Lord, you do what you desire to do. You have a purpose in your heart and your mind. What had come to pass this morning? Save the lost, oh God. Prove that your word still lives today. Love your prophet's message proving your word. May you do it again once more this morning, Lord. We commit the service and the hearer, those that will be sitting, Lord, each one here. May, oh God, you speak personally in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good morning. Good morning. Has <laughs> it been a good morning? Amen. Amen. We didn't have Wednesday service, so I figured we'd come in doubly ready to... Uh, church huh well I'm about doubly ready do you know how hard it is to prepare for a service that you might not preach you don't but I do and it's really strange (laughs) but I just believe and I know that the Lord he leads and there's nothing out of cater in his world this is his 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 kingdom will definitely not do something unexpected and so he expected that so he expected whatever happened this morning, it's been planned by him. It's been planned. He has a very specific desire this morning. So I pray that he, it, we just allow it to come to pass. Amen. You have a part to play. You have a part to play. You have a big part to play. You know, I don't want to go back to the COVID days where it was empty. <laughs> so that would be terrible. So you're here. You're the people of the, the children of God. You're going to pull this morning. Amen. He said, Lord, speak to me this morning. I need something from you. Or maybe somebody beside me needs something from you. So I'm going to do my part and I'm going to pull on your word whatever you desire to do. So let's turn to the scripture. We're going to turn, turn to John 14. God bless you, musicians. Just while they're doing that, I'm just going to give a little bit of an announcement for warning for those uh, for summer, or summer. My goodness, we're not quite there yet. Let's get through winter camp. Winter camp on the Thursday night, we're just going to have, last year we did a little bit of a, 
press the mark spontaneous, but I'm going to do one not so spontaneous, and I'm going to give you a heads up because it's going to be all in the chapter, or I should say the book of Genesis. And so all young people and at camp, there you have a little less than a month to study the book of Genesis, and uh, we'll see how well your studies were come Thursday night. It's a very big, has a lot going on in Genesis, the very beginning, the seed chapter, seed book, and uh, wonderful aspects of scripture there. So if you look through that, those that, of you that are the memorizers, well, you'll have the upper hand. <laughs> All right. John 14, we're going to start at verse 5. I love this chapter. It's one of my, definitely one of my favorite chapters of scripture. Jesus speaking to his disciples, very tender moment, I would say, that he had with them. But I would say, don't leave it there at the disciples. Take it as a tender moment of him speaking to you and me. I mean, that's what the scripture is for. It's not just for the history. It's for you and me right this very moment. So scripture says, Jesus saying, just saying earlier in my house, there's many mansions. And if I, if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. And then he comes there and says, and whither I go and the way ye know. I said, whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, he said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. What a, what a desire there, I would say. Philip says, you know, I, I just want to see the Father. It just will suffice all my desire. And then Jesus said unto him, Have I been with you so long? And yet, hast thou not known me, Philip? My, Philip must have been sitting there, eyes wide open. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Amen. You may have your seats this morning. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, I wonder if the disciples really went back, and John was madly writing, maybe, or different ways the Gospels were transcribed and written down and I'm sure there's so much here if you read them you can read and reread and read and read and say my the depths of the word and I'm sure the disciples were sitting there listening and not probably comprehending a whole lot at the moment but God would reveal that to them surely because here Philip was saying show us the father and the father was really before them Jesus is there he says I am the father the father in me and believest thou not that I am in the father the father in me and the works the words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself so there was a bit of a, a shift there maybe in, their, in their, their understanding. But I'm going to take a little thought this morning. I have uh, maybe a little, maybe not so dynamic if I could say that. We'll see how the Lord leads. But just a title this morning, I'll title it maybe A Father in Fatherless Times. And uh, 
just see how the Lord leads. I know it's maybe an odd subject, but maybe you just pull this morning. You know, we live in a certain society that, you know, a lot of changes through the generations of time, and it's sometimes hard to really maybe understand how the world and what it, how it's turned, and we see certain things, certain shifts and changes in, in, in really where we are in Satan's Eden. And, uh, you know, the, the product, really, of what we're looking at, it's a product of his kingdom. And uh, a lot of times, though, we have to be aware that there's parallels. We have a natural world that we're living in, but there's a much maybe a deeper meaning to certain things. There's a spiritual parallel to such. And so we, can't, we can get a lot of times caught up into the, maybe the natural aspects, but there's a spiritual context to what is going on. Because we're, we're not of this world. And, and we've got Satan's kingdom pressing itself. And we have the kingdom of God at war. And sometimes it's hard to really understand maybe what is going on. But, but if we look at it maybe in a spiritual way, then it would maybe help, help you understand or maybe even comprehend. And we look at you know, the, the aspects of this world and how family has shifted. And, and all the different aspects, which we'll maybe get into a little bit. And you look at that and then you wonder, you know, why is this going this direction, but we know it's really uh, the, the Satan's vices and his plan to, to break apart what God's kingdom is all about, all right? And so I don't want you to maybe look at it very natural this morning. I'm wanting to speak on a very, on a bit of a, very much the spiritual layer, though we'll hit the natural layer as we speak about father and fatherless times, um, but I, I'm wanting to speak of our spiritual father. And so I want you to bring it into that, in that context, if we can, through the course of the service. You know, what a desire that Philip had there, as he said, show us the Father. Declare Him. Let Him be made known to me, that I may, that I may see Him. It will suffice. It will satisfy my every need. If I just desire to see Him, I thought, what a desire that Philip had there to, to say, Lord, show us the Father. And I wondered today how many would love to even just say that, naturally, of their own Father, they say, I'd just love to see my father. I'd love to see him show himself to me and reveal himself to me. And you know, Philip, of course, this was speaking, we're speaking, I want to speak spiritually, but there's an actual aspect, and I can think of how many orphans there are today that, that are fatherless. They say there's about 145 million that they know, and upwards to even 200 or so million children that are under 18 that are orphans that are fatherless today. That would be pretty much over half or so of, of the United States of America. So cut your country in half and fill it with, every, with all children that don't have one parent. That's an orphan. That's a lot of orphans. That would probably say naturally what Philip said spiritually. Show us, show us the Father. I'd love to see my Father this morning. And they're fatherless. And there's even those that if I could say that are also fatherless even though Father is, is, not, is present. And I know... I know in some of the content maybe this morning, I, a mother is a, just as an incredible role in, in, these, in uh, family and such, but I'm speaking of our Heavenly Father this morning, so the parallels will be in that direction. But there's many that are fatherless, even motherless, even though father and mother are present. And they're, they're there. Uh, father is just has gone. Maybe he's even present in the home, and he's not, uh, but he's not engaged in the home. And so they call these actually, those that are in orphan, orphanages that still have parents living, they call them a social orphan. Because really parent actually is still there, but they just are not taking care of them. Not able to, for whichever reasons. And so they, they leave them, they call them social orphans, and they get stuck in a system 
because actually there's no legal way for that parent or for the law to, to release that parent of the responsibility of the child, yet they're not taking care of the child. And therefore, 80 to 90% of these orphans that sit in an orphanage that have living fathers and mothers are stuck there and never will be adopted because they're stuck in the middle and they're really completely fatherless and motherless in many cases and because of the, of the system and such. And so this is a, uh, say a, very, a very fatherless time we live in, not just someone that doesn't have a father, but we have a lot of brokenness and in our homes and such that, that people and children do not get the father role. But well, oh, oh, I'm not going to jump ahead of myself. I could do that just now, but I won't do that. But I know you're listening, and like I said, it's going to be a bit of a different service this morning. A quarter, they say the quarter of, the, of children in the U.S., 25% of them uh, are raised solely by mothers, and they have no access to father whatsoever. And that's, that's not to mention those that have limited access or very, you know, a very small amount of access. So it's a, that's a good chunk of, of children. There's no father. And in back, back in the 90s, actually, there was even an a article, and so you can imagine if that was, uh, you know, 90s, mid-90s, let's just say 20, 30 years ago or so, uh, on TV and in the movies, of course, the image of fathers was really ch- shifting and changing over what it had been in the past. And the sturdy, you know, the stern, sturdy father that uh, who knew, you know, was guiding a family and who best, you know, a father that knew best was really being changed to, you know, and most of you probably wouldn't even know, but the article uh, referenced a, a helpless Homer Simpson, some character, a cartoon character that didn't know what nothing, or some ham-handed glute confounded by the prospect of changing a diaper. And this is what, in the mid-90s, they were shifting what the role of a father really was becoming to, and, and just really a nothing that couldn't really know what to do, and even to the point where even the world was, was catching that teachers weren't calling. They didn't, the father had nothing to do with the school or anything with the kids, so they'd only talk to mothers because the father doesn't have a clue what's going on. And so this article stated that there's just no interest in fathers whatsoever. They said, quotes, there's no interest in fathers at all, says a sociologist who directed some survey for families and households in the estates. He said, it's a non-existent category. It's the ignored half of the family. This is the 90s. <laughs> We've come a long way from that, from the 90s. And I wonder, though, how that changing role of father is impacting then how we view God as a father. Okay, so this is where I want to go a little bit this morning. Because if the world is shifting, if Satan has taken and shifted fatherhood, and he's wanted to really break that apart, break the family right from the beginning, we should go to Genesis, we know that's exactly what he was doing, and and usurping himself and bringing in a different headship, and really tarnishing in some way, you know, how to hinder God was able to speak in that relationship that he'd have with his sons and daughters. Okay, so he, here we have in this day, we have a lot of brokenness and where a dad or the father is not present or he's home, he's busy. And they, they say Americans actually, you know, Canadians too, but uh, currently the American society, they say it works longer than citizens of any other industrial nation. Exception, Japan. Okay, they said this is curtailing the ability of mothers and fathers to spend quality time with their children. Consumption has become the major leisure activity in America, and this impinges on the child by compelling both parents to work longer to maintain a uniquely American standard of living. So you see how the devil works. He works the economics. You say, well, it's not because I want to. It's because I need to. I don't have a choice. I need to do this. Yes, that's the devil. 
And, but I have to believe that we have a God that can make a way where there seems to be no way. It just depends on what your real heart's desire is. You say, Lord, I'm laying before you my family here as a mother and a father, and it just doesn't look like I'm really going to make it, but I need a way where there seems to be no way. And I know there's different, these unique situations, but I'm just maybe talking on a general context. This is where society has turned because even just straight economics, and it's there to squeeze and to shift and to change and to break the home. It's what it's there to do. The devil's there to break the home. And in times past, you know, a father had respect. You know, it was Papa. <laughs> Papa spoke. Yeah, well, you know, I wonder if Papa spoke to any more today. It's like, who are you? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. It, it's, very, it's very different. And, and the father would do the discipline in the home and such. And that, 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 that role of father is so shifted. And, and, and some would say, well, I see a lot of fathers engaged. In fact, they're engaged in family more than I've ever seen in my life. I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. But what I see dads doing these days is at the grocery store going shopping for groceries because they're staying home. That's where I see the dads. I see the dads in the playground with the stroller where the mom's at work. That's where I see the dads. I see the dads at home more than ever before. I see dads changing diapers more than ever before. Dads in a different role than they should be. Some of you might not like this this morning, but I'm going to preach it. Now the father is the mother, and the mother is the father. And so then I ask you, what is a father this day? A substandard mother is what it is. Because father is no mother. Father is father. Mother's mother. So a father trying to be a mother is substandard. Quotes from an article. Most troubling of all to some social scientists is the message men get that being a good father means learning how to mother. This is society. This isn't just, yeah, yeah. So if the world is seeing that, where, where should, what should we be seeing? And I know, like I said, I know there's circumstances. I know there's, the devil is at play, but, and, and he's out to destroy. Indeed he is. That's why we're keeping our eyes focused. And then we shore up and we support where the devil is trying to attack and cause, cause breakdowns and such. And so that we're actually looking at what God's desire is. And so what this has done... Is diminished, I would say, diminished the impact of a father's influence in the family. Because if Satan is able to remove the effect and the influence of a father or that role and destroy the office or that position and mar the very image of a father or remove the importance of it and the true attributes of that office, then if God, when God wants to reveal himself in the office of a father, which is what he, he is, there's really no desire for this, or there's a very skewed idea of what father really is. And so their picture of families these days is completely, really out of, out of cater. And if someone can say, well, you know, if anything, if God's like anything like my dad, I don't want a God like that. Think about it. Because as a father, you are reflecting the very image of what God has desired to be. And so if the world and society these days has, has gone in such a way where Satan has been able to influence in such a way and has been able to tear down and tarnish that role of headship in a home, then when a child is saying, well, if God is a father and what I've lived with, it's nothing what I desire. Then we have the whole you know, feminist and such movement and such, and I don't need guidance from a man. And I, I really wonder, though, who needs a father? I'm of my own head and such. And I wonder then what your walk with God is like. 
Because he's your heavenly father. So if that's your attitude here on the earth and, and how you respond to that and that headship and such, how on earth do you have a spiritual walk with him? I, wouldn't, I, I don't understand that. And I'm not talking necessarily about here. I'm talking about Christianity and such on a whole where, where that is more very per, you know, intertwined. And, and I wonder if, if time would go on what a father figure would continue to look like as you see, unfortunately, this Sodom condition and two women in a home or two men or this, that, the other and really no father, father figure at all. And the children then get raised in this and they say, a father, well, what's that? It's non-existent. Right? And so children would say, well, you know, I, I don't have one. What's, what's it supposed to look like? I don't even know. Why is it even important to me? I don't have one. And 6,000 plus years later, if God, our Father, walked down in the cool of an evening as he did with Adam in this country, I'd say this country specifically and cry out, Adam, Adam, where art thou? As a father. Would the response be, who are you? I don't even know who you are. What are you exactly? I don't even know what father is. And Satan's attempt to shatter the impact, influence, and image of your heavenly father. That's what he's desiring to do. And I would say, unfortunately, in some, he has done that. And the word comes to repair that and bring a clarity to what God has always desired to be and to portray and I would say that this morning, all it really is is maybe just to try and bring back a focus onto what he is and, 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 and push aside the, the invasiveness of this wicked age because it's invasive. And so if we don't know what a father is, how do we know how to identify one? If you don't know who he is, you don't know what he is, how do you even identify then what, what I'm supposed to see and how, how I'm supposed to respond to it? And I'm not even speaking maybe per se as a, yes, there's the role of a father, but there's also, I, I realize, father figures and those that are, are exuding the attributes of a father. I could say there's fathers uh, that, that don't exude attributes of the father in the, as a father in the world, but there's those that are not fathers that have every bit and they show and they express these attributes. So I'm not specifically saying just because it's a father. I'm just saying what the, the attributes or the role that that conveys because there's many that have father figures that fill that position. And a father, if you define it or what the world defines it as, is you know, a life that's it's produced life. A father, life has come from, from them. No, you know, I, I just thought, you know, no wonder God loves the father because he just desires life, his life to be ex, ex, uh, you know, portrayed and to be expressed. But a father, is, it signifies a nourisher or a protector or an upholder. It's the originator of a family or a company of persons animated by the same spirit as himself. I just thought that was a wonderful definition. Amen. An originator of a family that's animated by the same spirit as himself. Isn't that just exactly what the Lord has desired? And everyone has had a father, seen certain characteristics, maybe whether they have maybe not seen it. Everyone, though, has had a father these days, uh, all days of life. There's nobody here that has not had a father. Correct? Yeah. (laughs) But a father cares. We've seen maybe different, different personalities or characteristics. As he takes personal concern, maybe in your life or your needs, your struggles, a father cares. And I just put a handful of traits down, no, no means complete. But you know, a father might, and you, some of you fathers or different ones look at this and say, well, I haven't done all those. Well, this is, you know, we've all failed <laughs> indeed in areas. And I thought as I studied, I said, my Lord Jesus, would you help me? 
to be a better father. I've failed in so many places. And so you just realize, Lord, I need you. I need the father to really show me how to guide and to protect. And a protector, father can be a protector, provider. He's a guy, one that gives guidance, maybe discipline as well, and correction. He leads by example. He's a leader, a servant leader, as one would have said, slow to anger, loves his children, he's dependable, he's compassionate, he's present. And these are, in some aspects, the kind of some of the top characteristics, by no means complete, and you can go into each one of those in very in-depth. But if I could say God yearned to express these attributes... If we could really, really come down to that aspect, we have because we have insight from a from a prophet of God how much God actually desired with such a deep desire to achieve this purpose, and we're all familiar, very familiar, I would say, with the quote from Christ the Mystery God revealed the first thing that God wanted to do. The first thing was that God wanted to do. I mean, let's just read the quote for what it is. The first thing. This is a prophet speaking from God's mouth, from God's thoughts out to you and I. You know, you have a lot of things you might want to achieve, and you have maybe a list of goals that you want to do, but the first thing, it's the most important. It's right there at the top of the list. You're like, star this one. I need to achieve this. If nothing else down below this list happens, doesn't matter. But the first thing I must do, the first thing that God wanted to reveal himself to the people, I need to show who I am. I must express myself to my people. This was at the top of God's list. Amen. This was his desire. And if, I, if you could just receive and, 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 and take that into you. God wanted to express himself to you. Not just think, oh, well, God's people all through the last, through all eons of time. No, no, no. God wanted to express himself. You at the top of his list, if you could just put your name in brackets, the first thing God wanted to do was to reveal himself to Charity Wong. Amen. That's what he wanted to do. He says, I need to show who I am. The quote continues, but Abraham says he couldn't do it as a great Jehovah God who covered all space, time, and eternity. He couldn't do that. Here he was, he was feeling confined. If, I could, if you could confine God, which you cannot. But here as, a, as God that filled all time and space, great Jehovah God, he could not. He is too great to ever be revealed to people because it would be too mysterious. So we can't even understand him in that capacity. He, it's too mysterious as, as he fills all time and space. And we try and even figure out how that great being Never, that never did begin after you went beyond the cycle of hundreds of billions and trillions and trillions of years of light space and on into the infinite, into the eternity, and the great creature that was and still is. And we would try to comprehend God in our puny gray matter that sits inside this skull as if I did a lobotomy and popped it out and you looked at that little lump of grayness and you said, really, this human organ is going to understand and comprehend a God that fills all time and space. And it, that just you can't even figure out how that all works and still is. And man then thinks he's going to interpret the word of God and figure out, well, this is what I think and how it is and whatever. I'm sorry, but your puny brain will never comprehend a great God unless God reveals it by revelation, not by your understanding. You know, God could have done anything he desired. God can do anything. Do we believe that? He can do anything. Amen. He wasn't limited to nothing. He could create anything he wanted. He could, could, his wildest, if I could say, his wildest imagination 
could have been conceived and made a reality. He's God. He could do anything. But, Brother Brown, but what he wanted to do, out of all the wants and desires, what he wanted to do, he loved fatherhood. Let's put this in perspective. Anything that could ever come into the mind of God through trillions and trillions and trillions of light years of eternity and all time that never did even begin. He's infinite, so there was no beginning. Through all of that, there's not even time. Through all of that eternity, God could have thought of however many things and tried to and, and think about and imagine whichever. He had so many, his thoughts. But what he wanted, he loved fatherhood. For he was a father. And the only way that he could express it was to become a son, a man, he says. That's the reason Jesus kept saying, the son of man. See, they didn't know what he was talking about, many of them, but now you get it. He said he wanted to express himself. That was his one of his great threefold purposes, to express himself. If he didn't become a son of man, How could he express the attributes of a father? He had to come down into that office so that the attributes and the expression of fatherhood could be made known to you and I. Amen. This is why he must do this. And so this was at his very, this was what his his highest want, or I could say God's highest priority was fatherhood. Can you imagine what a son or daughter, if father's here today and I'll include even mothers in this. If the high, what, what would your children feel if the highest priority was to express fatherhood in your home? Think how your children would feel or those that you are fathering. Said, this is my highest priority. It's you. God was saying, I desire fatherhood. My highest priority is you. Attributes that weren't expressed when God couldn't do that filling all time and space. In fact, in a quote I don't have here, Brother Branham says, God didn't have in that, in that office in, in, in that, in, as a spirit, God don't have fingers and didn't have hands and didn't have legs. He needed to create a body so that he could express it. Amen? And so the God here, he didn't, he didn't I could say, his, these unmanifested attributes... And so he took, required the father to condescend himself into the sonship so that God became a man so his life could save, so he could heal, so he could deliver, so he could bring about these attributes that he's desiring through the son fatherhood was revealed. Amen. I could say that. And God trying to achieve his desire. But Abraham said the blood was shed at Calvary. That is the blood that I trust in. Tonight, when there's nothing, no other fount I know, therefore the blood of God saves us. The blood of God brings Jesus Christ in our midst. The blood of God brings the Holy Ghost. Not the blood of a Jew or a Gentile, but God's own creative blood. Jesus, the man, was his son that he created himself, and God tabernacled in that tabernacle. Amen. God had to come himself. The only way he could do it would be to come in his own flesh. That it was his own creative body that he made. That he could suffer death. So that he could express fatherhood. Attributes 
He said, there's the gospel and the power. That's God manifested in the flesh, Emmanuel, to take away sins of the world. He said, that's the reason he said, I and my Father are one. My Father dwelleth in me. It was the Father in him. He said, well, but Michael, Jesus didn't have any children. What sons and daughters are we? Yeah, Jesus was not a natural father. He could have. He could have. The functions of the body could surely have manifested natural lineages. But there was a higher order. <laughs> Amen? There was a higher order. It wasn't, if you could say, it wasn't so at the beginning. It wasn't meant to come that way through that aspect. And God knew in his mind, I'm not needing children through the flesh, through a sexual act. But there's another way that I have desired to produce my offspring. And so God sanctified himself. And his scripture says, I will put my trust in him again. Behold, I and the children which God hath given me. It wasn't Christ with a natural lineage, but there was a word, children. There was a word, son. A word, daughter, that had to come forth. Amen. By a spoken word. God was going to speak forth his children through the word of God. Not by some natural means. He says, through my life will be given to you to flow over you. And you'll be sons of God and daughters of God. See, as long as the seed is in there. Amen. It was the word that went forth. Struck the seed that God placed in there. And it birthed sons and daughters of God. Not by some natural aspect, but by the word. Amen. All of son, God's sons. Daughters must be the same. He said to be born of the word and spirit brings us back to the spoken word again. He says to be born of the water and spirit, what does it do? Then it brings you right back again into the place where you should have been at the beginning. Amen. Right back at the beginning. God would be speaking, speaking his children into existence by the word of God. And so that's why in the new birth, we come by the word of God to speak us into the position that we're supposed to be. Naturally, maybe from the womb, spiritually, by the word of this hour. Amen. He's spoken us, children of God, into existence here. And here we are, the new creations. Now, attributes. Scripture is the word of God. Do we believe that? Amen. So this is the word of God. In his written form, I could say the written form for the word was made flesh. So this is the word written form. This is, the, this is a written form of Christ. If I could say that. Amen. Do we believe that? All right. And so it should identify. The word then will identify the characteristics of our Father. Would it do that? Because if this is Him and Christ is our Father and the Father and me and I and you and you and me, that then should identify what His characteristics are. Because if, we, if we've been skewed at all at what maybe our idea of the Father is, this should bring it back into order. Amen. And so the first glimpse we would see I'm just going to go through a few, a couple of them, noting my time and, and how much pages I have here. So I'm going to go fast. Maybe we'll start, stop early. Maybe we won't. I'll leave that for you. So the first glimpse we get of God as he comes down from his throne, and out of his throne room, the scripture speaks in the cool of the day, the voice of God walking in the garden. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of God. And the Lord God amongst the trees, from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden, and the Lord called unto Adam 
and said unto him, Where art thou? This was a father. Can you imagine? I'm just wanting to try and convey some attributes of a father. As Adam now had sinned and they had fallen and they had done something that they knew their father would be very, very disappointed. And they hid themselves. But the heart, I can just see God, as the scripture says, God's voice going through the garden. Adam! Adam, where are you? That desire of a father, the communion with the son had, had been broken. And he's calling out and saying, oh, where are you, Adam? The love of a father that, that was here. Oh, I can imagine that in his mind, the salvation's plan was already there. And that love of a father saying, oh, don't you hear me, Adam? I'm calling out to you. That's a father. That his children are in grave need. Maybe broken his word. But it wasn't, Adam, I know you're out there and you've broken my word. I don't want to see you again. That wasn't the response. Adam, where are you? We need to make this. We need to deal with this. Yes, there was things to be dealt with, but God was desiring, still desired communion. It wasn't, nothing would change that he wanted. He desired fellowship with his son, with his daughter, Adam and Eve. And there he knew that there was obviously some redemption to be done, but he was calling out, where are you? We need to deal with this in love. Abraham says, the great sculptor, talking to the masterpiece, when he had seen the fall of his family, the masterpiece, he wasn't willing just to leave it there face down. In ruin. But Abraham says he went to work immediately. This is the heart of a father. This is the heart of your father. That immediately he says, I know my son. They've broken my word. They've broken what I desired. But I need to immediately get back into action. I need to immediately put something in place. It will not break my fellowship with them. I'm going to figure out a way. He already had a way. Think about it. If you could call it Adam, Adam, I already have a plan. Don't worry. It will be difficult a little bit. We've got to go a different direction, but don't worry. I got blood. It's on the altar before the foundation of the world. Adam, where are you? Don't run from me. That same voice calls out this morning. That same father calls out this morning. Child of God, where are you? Don't run from me. I think of the story of David, a man after God's own heart. And I was just thinking about David and the story of Absalom. And Absalom and all of the, how he rises up, begins to plot, sway people and overthrows. David gets rejected, flees from his own son. It's just incredible to me. He gets, here, David, and we know these are all for types and shadows in the scriptures. David is expressing attributes of God. Amen. That's what he's doing. He's a type of Christ, a type of your father. And here, here he's rejected his own household, is, is, is now been removed. And Absalom even defiles David's concubines as a show in, the, in all of Israel's sight. Such defiance. Think about it. So this is what, this is, this is as, a, as a father and son, and this son has just, just gone and done the most heinous of things. You'd say, naturally, well, away with him. I'm not even want to talk to him no more. No, no, no. A father, a father, 
true attributes of a father. There David goes out. The battle's now in array. Now they're going to go head to head in battle. Absalom sends out his, his soldiers and such. They're all out in all out war. Not just a disagreement. It's a complete, I'm out to kill you. This isn't just an argument. And Job and the army, loyal to the cause, standing with the king, they're admonished by David, deal gently with my son. Think about this. Deal gently with my son. What is that? That's a father. And Absalom is slain. Job is not dealing gently because Job is not expressing the attributes of a father. And Job goes and slays Absalom from hanging in the tree and they go and they, they bury him and they send messengers and Cushai comes and David said, is the young man Absalom safe? Here he's out of his kingdom. He's been exiled out. He's at war. Absalom's out to kill David, really, at the end of the day. And he says, is Absalom safe? No, we've just saved you. But the heart of a father is to his children. The heart of your father is to his children. I don't care how backward, how which direction, how far away in sin, what you've done, what you've sinned against him, how bad you think you've been. The heart of your father is saying, is my son safe? I long for him to come back to me. Surely there's reconciliation for me and my son Absalom. He was holding out there. Is he safe? Maybe, just maybe, there could be some reunion. And Absalom, Cushai says, the enemies of my Lord and all that rise against thee to do hurt, as, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went to the chamber over the gate and wept. And he went, thus he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. The heart of a redeemer was being expressed right there. As the heart that was after God's own heart My son Absalom, I would have died for you. My son, my daughter, I will die for you. Ah, David was a natural man and could not die in the flesh. But there was one, Christ Jesus, that could die because he was God's own body that he formed so that he could take death as a penalty so that he could say, my son, my daughter, I'll die for you. No matter what hurt you've done, no matter what you've done against me, you've sinned and you've sinned greatly, but I'm dying for you so that we could have reunion. That's your father. I pray this morning you walk out the doors of the sanctuary realizing what father you have. I don't know what you have naturally. That is not my, unfortunately, I have no control. But I do know the God of heaven. That's your heavenly father. And what attributes you do not know or do not have not been conveyed to you naturally are conveyed to you spiritually. I pray you just receive it that way. His heart is so desirous. Of communion with you, a father. Abraham, father of the faith, we could say. Here, Lot, infighting in their home for different fields and pastures. I could say, yeah, well, Lot wasn't his son. No, but he was like a father to him, I can tell you that. Here he was, Lot had left. 
And so here was a father, or I could say a father figure, expressing the attributes of a father to him. Here, now Lot was in need. Lot had been taken. Lot had been completely uh, taken by by soldiers and, and such going into slavery. And who goes down? His father, Abraham. Maybe not his uncle. And there Abraham says, I don't know. I don't, got, I don't got trained soldiers. I don't have it. All I got is some servants. I've got a handful of servants that are trained here. So what am I going to do? Whatever it takes. Because I'm his protector. I'm not going to let him go there. Well, you know what? Hey, bud, you chose that way. And you just left off where you wanted to go. And you went to Sodom. That's your fault. Let the consequences be yours. But no, Abraham as an attribute of God, expressing the attributes of a father, said, what do I need? What do I have at my disposal? All right, this is what I got. The rest, God will then fill. He'll fill in the gap, but I'm going out to protect and to bring back and to rescue that which is mine. (laughs) When God went out to rescue you, he took all of heaven. (laughs) What do I need? Everything, I'm going to bankrupt heaven because I need to rescue my son or my daughter that's been taken away by a devil. He's a protector. That's why when the Hebrew boys, and I know you know the quotes very, very well, Brother Branham, as he speaks about how how Gabriel and the angels speak to God and going to go down, the Hebrew boys are in the fire. But you know, if I could sit there in that conversation and there God was sitting on his throne and there Gabriel and them are talking to him and giving him, you know, his reason why he needs to go and Wormwood's reason why he needs to go. And God just listen to that. Oh, that's, that's good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But gentlemen, angels, I'm their father. This is my role. This isn't your role. I'm the one to protect them. I'm the one that's going to step down and stand with them in the fiery flame. That's who I am. You're not their father. I'm their father. So just step aside. It's my office. You have a father. He looks down at your fire. And there might be a lot of other ways to, to rescue you. But he says, no way. This is my position. I desired fatherhood. I wanted this to be. I have so craved this moment. Think about it. You're in the fire. You're in a trial. You're in a difficulty. And God wanted before all eternity. I desire to be in this moment where I can express to you the attributes of a father. I am your protector. Hallelujah. So this is difficult, I know, but I can take care of it. That's who I am. I'm a father. I can protect you. And there, Lot gets saved, and then into Sodom he goes. Angels come. Elohim comes, walking there into the into Abraham's presence. And they go through that part of the story. For sake of time, we will not. And there, God says, I'm going to reveal to Abraham what I'm going to do. Because he runs his household correct. And you know the scripture there. But what happens in that moment of scripture, is God is now telling Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham stands there. He says, Lord, but for 50, please don't. The heart of a father steps in. He says, please, no. Please, no. I need to advocate for him. 
No, for 50 I will not. What about 40? Please don't destroy it. Lots down there. I know he's, he's not my son, he's part of me. Please not for 40. For 40 I won't. 30? No, 20. I won't. 10? I won't for 10. Oh, thank you, Lord. A father standing in the gap saying, Lord, just please no, not for 10. That was Abraham emitting a characteristics as God stepped into the Son of Man and hanged there on a cross and said, Lord, I'll hang here, please. I'll put my blood here. No, not. They need to be saved. It was the Father's attributes of an advocate, of a mediator, standing there saying, please, no. Of course, Sodom went in, into its flame because there wasn't even ten. There was four. Lot, his wife, and two daughters. But it was a characteristics being exuded out of Abraham, portraying your heavenly father as a mediator. No, Lord, my children are down there. I need to place myself there so I can stand in the gap. Moses stood in the gap. What was it doing? Emitting Christ's attributes. Saying, oh no, don't, don't strike them. Don't do that. And God's saying, all right, because you're standing in the way. And God says the same thing. Because my blood is there, because I will, I cannot penetrate through the blood. I will not destroy them. That's an advocate. That's your mediator. How could we go? That's your father. I want you to walk out of here this morning with such a renewed, if I could, unload the burden that you walk out of the doors of this service and you have such a renewed connection with your father. How could you go on this topic and not speak about the prodigal? That would be wrong when speaking about a father. And you know, his characteristics, you know, I know we know that story front and backwards, forwards and upside down. We know, it, we know it so well. It's been spoken on. You know, a lot of times the focus is on the prodigal. Because, you know, the prodigal takes maybe the, the forefront and his attitude and his greed and all that he did. And, you know, the sins that he went out to do and the lusts of the world and the influences that pull him astray. But, but what about the father in that story? You know, Brother Bram says, and I know there's, there's mothers here. I'm just speaking about, and Brother Bram speaks about both in the, in the prodigal, the message. I'm just, again, speaking about our, our Heavenly Father. And, and Brother Bram says, I see that old dad just worrying, walking back and forth, up and down on the outside of the barn at the house. And I can hear Mother go and say, what's the matter, Dad? And that father, he's just pacing back and forth. His heart is so burdened of where his son is going. And can you imagine God, when you are wayward and out in sin, God just walking back and forth. Oh, my child, what is it going to take? Lord, get a hold. And he's, his, his yearning is for you to come back into fellowship. And his dad is just exuding the attributes of a father. Your heavenly father says, oh, I don't know, mother. You know, he said, our parents, they're good God saved. They're good God saved people. They worry about their children. Yeah, I'm a father myself because that little boy listening to me now. He says, I love him. If one of us had to die this afternoon, let me die 10,000 times to his one. That's right. It's a love that we have for our offspring. That's the reason God so loved the world. He's offspring. He came himself to die. He said, I noticed his father weary and 
walking so forth up and down. The next day come time for the boy to leave. And Brother Bram talks about a mother comes and says, you know, let's just, just take a moment and let's just have a word of prayer. And they go through that and Brother Bram says, I can hear dad say, well, we've always been taught that all things work together for the good. To them that love God and they pray. And he says, oh God, take care of our boy. Wherever he is, whatever state he's in, take care of him, Father, and send him home. And there, Brother Bram said, where he's at? He's down in a hog pen. And here the prodigal, it wasn't, well, Lord, I've done what I could. I've done what your word, and I just cut off my boy, disown him, and, and just have another son here, so I'm going to just pour all of my thought and affection into that one, and he's dead to me now. No, the father yearned and longed and prayed and desired and prayed and he waited and he waited and he paced day and night. He never forgot his son. I don't know the time span. I don't know how long this went on. But day after day, month after month, year after year, whatever it could have been, the father and the mother were just standing there keeping their face focused on God's word. I know my God said it and I believe it. This is my son. Come back, Lord. I'm putting my prayers up before you. It's the heart of a father that was yearning and saying, Lord, do a work for him. I don't think the dad, that father would have been out there, as we'll read in scripture, if he didn't have an expectation that he was coming back. If he had no hope, no, it's over, there's, there's nothing that can be done, we've done what we could, not, it's fine, and I'm just going to go and live on life. And perchance, who knows, maybe in some crazy miraculous way, maybe, but for as far as my mind is concerned, it's done, it's over, and he's gone. But no, this, it's not how that, that happened, because the scripture says, when I, I, he came to himself, amen, God, God, we know, Brother Bram gives a little insight there, and he comes to himself, God awakened his, little, his heart and mind, and he talks about how many hired servants of my father's that have bread and enough to spare. I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Brother Bram says, think of my father and all the wealth that he has, all the things that he's given to me, and here I'm laying here in hunger. Think he's thinking back. The son now is thinking back. What a, look at all that the father has been to me. Because as a father, he expressed the attributes of a father. All through those years, he was a loving, caring, nurturing, protecting, upholding, guiding father to him. So then when he came to his mind, when he came to himself, he remembered, my father is this way. Not my father beat me in this and that and the other and all that. No, my father, he loves me. All the things that he's given me, and I'm laying here in the hunger and dying and such, and he remembered what his father was like. If I could wake, God could wake a prodigal's mind up this morning. And you can remember what your father is like. Come to yourself and realize there's a heavenly father that wants to give you an abundance of all that he can. All of heaven is for you and you just need to come to yourself and remember, that's my father. He'd received benefits of his father. Not just fathering a son, 
But love had been shown. I say, dads, fathers, even mothers, this morning it's imperative that we show the attributes to our children because hard times will come. Difficult moments maybe and you have difficult situations or difficult conversations and you want your children to be able to look and say, now that was a father to me. I'm remembering how they have lived before me. Not, well, they're not no father. That time of realization, they remember the relationship they have. And that's what the church needs to come to today. But Abraham says is to realize who your father is. For sometimes we act as though we have no heavenly father. For all the goodness of heaven belongs to the church. All uh, divine healing, salvation, freedom from worry, or anything all belongs to the church. Jesus died. We inherit all God has through him, heirs of the kingdom. Amen. And then he rose up, scripture says, and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, great When he was yet a great way off, I highlighted that. Because the father was waiting in expectation. Amen. Waiting in expectation. I know there's prodigals that are gone astray. But we're waiting in expectation for the prodigal to come home. And you're sitting there waiting. And I don't know how many days he toiled and waited. He'd get up in the morning. And he said, I'm going to go out there and look again. I'm going to go and look again. Is he out there? Is there any dust? Great far off little dust cloud somewhere. Not today. I'll be back tomorrow. And the next day he went back. Is there a little dust cloud? I don't know. But maybe I'll come back tonight. Maybe just at sundown. When it's gone, I'll take a look again. Day after day after day, year after year maybe he was looking in expectation for the prodigal to return that's the heart of a father I can tell you God has ordained a moment when his children would come to him every one of you have a different moment in time when God called you and beckoned your heart and I can tell you God knew and I think maybe he'd just come to the banister and be like today's the day I see the dust I see the dust of my child coming home Because that's what happened. He was a great way far off. And his father saw him. Oh, he must have done a little jig. Right at that moment. My son, he's coming home. Oh, he was doing all the pre-prep already. Servants, get ready. Because I'm going to be calling a big feast today. And his father saw him. Had compassion. I know you know the next two words. And... Thank you, Brother Mike. And ran. That's the heart of a father. He ran a great way off. And he was running his heart out. He's just chasing down. He could see them way down the pathway. Doors go bursting open. Servants are like, what's going on? Something big has happened. Nobody maybe even knew. And he's tearing his heart out because his son had come home. Oh, the heart of a father. Joy unspeakable and full of glory as he ran his little way down the pathway because somebody was coming back to their position. Hallelujah. That's your father. That's not just a story in scripture. That was Jesus speaking to tell you, Gabe, how he feels about you. And then he brings his best robe, puts it on him, puts a ring on him, on his finger, shoes on his feet, because he looked and said, oh, my son, you don't even have any shoes. I have the best pair. Let me go get them. I'll put them on for you. 
You see this ring right here? I'm just going to tell you, you're still my son. Nothing's changed. Yeah, nothing's changed. You might have gone astray. You might have went away and had your own ideas. But my, my spirit spoke to you. And it raised you up from that pig pen. And I'm just here to tell you, you haven't changed. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. I don't care what state your children are in. I know when they come back home, the heart of a father and a mother doesn't change nothing. How much more your heavenly father, when a son or daughter spiritually comes back home? But Abraham says, wonder, prodigal out there in the pig pen, he says, I wonder, maybe I've got some money and I could pay dad back what I spent running with. But Abraham says, but no. He knowed the nature of his father. His father's nature had been shown to him through his life. So when he got in that bad time and he had to make his way back, oh, maybe my dad's going to have all my debts there on the line and saying, well, son, you owe me about 250 grand because I had to sell everything and give you your portion. So before you can come through this gate, you, uh, surely you got some money for me. No. But Abraham said he knowed the nature of his father and said, I will arise and go to my father. And the father never said, wait a minute, son, are you bringing my money back? No, he never charged him for his sins. He never charged you for your sins. Well, can you pay up for this and all that you've done against me? Can you pay the debt here? (laughs) Uh, No, he paid a debt. He did not owe, I owed a debt. I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Amen. He came to the the father. He said he was glad he was coming back. He was glad he came to himself because he was his son. Oh, the father don't force no penance on you. Well, whip yourself for however many days and then I'll maybe see if your repentance is good enough. No. That's Catholic. That prodigal came home. The father, if I could say it this way, but there was sincerity in the repentance. And the father knows this. And so he says, open arms, come. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. Lord, help me now. You know what privilege we have in saying, our father, I was thinking that's the prayer that the disciples there were saying, you know, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, if I could put it this way, teach us how to access the resources of all glory. (laughs) Teach us how to combat with the greatest weapon that you're going to give us. It's prayer. Teach us, Lord, how to handle that. Teach us how to share our burdens. Teach us how to release our pains and pressures and struggles and strife. Tell us, Lord, how. And Jesus says, like this, our Father, I want you to speak to me because I love fatherhood. He didn't start out, which I'm not saying you can't, don't don't say I'm putting a doctrine in here, but, oh, magnificent creator of all heavens and earth, you, he just said, our Father. You can't. Because he's all that to us. 
But I believe God was expressing there the want of fatherhood. And when you come to me, say it this way, our father, oh, I love that. Yes, my son. Oh, it must just, his heart just must burn. He wanted us to immediately be aware of the relationship that you have with him. You know, there's a deep connection between a child and a, and a parent, a father and a son. You know, when we call it, it denotes this, this, this connection that goes beyond all other ties. Especially spiritually speaking, there's only one tie. There's no, that's why you call no man father. God reserved that for him. Spiritually speaking. And you think of the access, you know, if, if, uh, if you came before a judge... And, you know, if you had no right, you know, I really didn't have, you know, don't have necessarily any right to expect that he'll hear you. You need to hear me, judge. He said, is this your time in the courtroom? Get out. And if it is your time in the courtroom, you're, hey, uh, excuse me. Excuse me, but you're going to be, you're going to have probably have some sheriff on you. He'll sit you down and, hey, it's not your time to talk. And what is your time to talk? You're going to address him as your honor. And if he allows you to speak, then you can speak. And you better speak nicely. Okay. It was a king. Oh, king! Maybe you have done something wrong in his kingdom. He'd said, you're a rebellious subject. Get out of my sight. Maybe as a creation, you say, oh, creator! You've sinned against me. I repent of even making you. Preserver! Well, you've, I, I have preserved thee, but... You've rebelled against me. Get out of my eyesight. But if I call you father, father, all your sin, all everything you've done never invalidates your claim to the father. If you are my father, then you love me. And I'm saying your heavenly father loves you. I don't really care what your experience on this planet is of a father relationship, but your heavenly father, by the attributes of this scripture, loves you. And when you come to him and say, oh, father, I really need you today. I need you to meet my need. He will not ignore you. You're his child. I don't care how bad your language is, how difficultly you are in trying to stutter out the words. I don't care what, what you've all done. Your father will regard you. But it can, sometimes our approach maybe is a little off. You know, we can say things maybe, you know, Brother Bram speaks about approach and how we approach a father. I remember my dad had an experience with a family years and years ago, and I remember him speaking it. I might not have all the exact details, but the, the gist of it is he was with the family and the very respected man was he was with him and, and I believe one of his sons came into the room and there was dad was there with him and the son came in the room and, and of, you know of course there's certain respects and not but he, he, when he came in I believe he, his, he, he came and he came to his father and he greeted him how was your day father 
excuse me. And he greeted his father. He embraced him. And, you know, how are you doing? And, excuse me, now I'll let you go back. You have about that correct or so. There was an approach. There was a respect. Hey, father, I'm home. Oh, sorry, you're, I'm interrupting. Hey, anyways, my business is better. No. Excuse me. I just need to greet my father. How are you doing? Did you have a good day, father? I did. Thank you, son. Maybe introduction from there. There was an approach. There was a respect. And I wonder how sometimes maybe we don't approach our Heavenly Father just the right way. Not that He's not your Heavenly Father, but I can tell you the right approach brings a certain response. That's all through the Scripture. You can see the Shunammite woman, her approach was very critical as she came to Elisha and Elisha she had been given a child through the word of God the child had died and here she comes and she comes and she could have been tearing her way on her little donkey and she could say why on earth did you give me this child just to take it away from me why did God even do this you know and, and you know, just spewing all of her, her frustrations and anger and sorrow out but there it was she fell down and she fell down and actually she, she said is it well with thee and she says it is well her approach, and she fell down at his feet, needing, needing God to intervene. There Gehazi's trying to pull her up, and he's like, no, 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 God's hid this from me. She's, in, she's grieved. Her approach to the prophet brought about life. Amen. Martha, to the Lord. How about that? We know that. How about the one who came and God called her a dog? Yes, Lord. I know, but there's a crumb for me. Her approach. You called me what? I'm out of here. Approach was vital. Brother Bram says God has an approach. He has a way of approach. You're going to go to visit a king, you approach a king. There's a way. He says there's a way to approach. He says, well, I'll make it more simpler than that. The boy wants to approach a young lady to get acquainted with her. There's a certain approach. You just can't come up here and say, hey there, I'd like to meet you and shake your hand. <laughs> Hey, I'd like to get to know you. I really like you. You know, we, we should maybe see each other a little more often. You know what Brother Bram said to that? I will quote you. And she isn't very much of a lady. She'll let you know where to get on and off at. <laughs> and if you, any of you young men have ever attempted to try that type of approach, I sure hope that's the response you got. Go back to square one and start again. I hope there's a start allowed for you. There. It's approach. And the wrong approach will get you nowhere. You know, it could be the right one, but your approach is wrong in the beginning. You have to readjust because you need to come the right way. But Abraham then speaks about it. But Abraham talks about Abraham approaching God through the name Al Shaddai. And he speaks about it in the, in the, in the message, uh, way of approach. And God appeared to Abraham as El Shaddai, as the nourisher, as the sustainer, the giver of life. He says, no matter how sick you are, what's taking place. He said, how long the Lord is answering, as long as you're laying upon his breast, pulling the word, it satisfies the believer. But Abraham says, that's my approach. He said, that's the way, speaking on the Lord's behalf, that's the way I'm asking you to approach me. I am your satisfier. Think about it. He, God is, he says God's asking you to approach him that way. Lord, yeah, I am your satisfier. I can fulfill all your needs. I'm the one that will satisfy you. And you can draw life from me. Abraham, you're 100 years old, but you're just a baby to me. That's a quote. 
Abraham said, well, look at my flesh. It's all wrinkled up and it's all, oh, you know, my hair's gone gray and my shoulders are stooped and, oh, I got this problem and this struggle. My circumstance is so far gone this way. It's an impossible situation. I have this sickness and this need. And his response to him was, but I am the life giver. He said, that's it, Abraham. Do you see it? Abraham believed God. He had an approach through a symbol. He said, through a name. So have we approached through the name of Jesus. What does Jesus mean to us? He said, Savior, El Shaddai to Abraham, satisfier, strong one, salvation giver, strength giver. The same thing that El Shaddai was to Abraham. Jesus is to the believer. He says, our approach... Who is our approach? The Lord Jesus. And Abraham, by approaching through the correct way, approached El Shaddai. You're my sustainer. I need you. I need you're the giver of life. You're the giver of hope. You're the giver of peace. I need, Lord, I need salvation. And we approach Jesus Christ the, the right way. And God is sure to then give you all that he can provide. It's approach. I had to, but the scripture says to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abraham, El Shaddai, I need the sustainer. Look at my body. Look at where I'm at. I'm decrepit and old and wrinkly. I need something. And God is saying, come unto me. I can be your nourisher. I will pour life into you that will restore you of every function of youth your body needs. And God is saying the same thing. Just come to me. Come, I am your father. I am the one that died for you. I hung on the cross of Calvary for you. Just come and say, oh, Abba, Father, you're my Lord. Oh, Christ Jesus, I need you. And I'll pour into you everything you need. You know, the conditions are met. God never goes back on his promise. I don't have much time left. But I was thinking about But Abraham went through the, the vision he had of the little boy that was sick. And he, I don't have it all in front of me, just have a few quotes, but not the whole backstory. But here, here he was. He had a vision of a little boy, and, uh, and he was sick, and he saw him, him walking, and, and praise God, God's going to heal, heal this one, and so their situation was there, and someone came in, and they needed prayer, and he said, you know, is this the case? Does this have this certain person, or do you have this? Is this the little boy? And he said, so he knew that this was, God had shown him that the boy was going to live, and so he was excited, and so he said that he went there, and, and uh, you know, went into the house, and here he comes. He said, the man picked up the little boy all ex- in his arms, the father all excitable, run him over to me. Of course, he's about to die right on the real threads of life. And he didn't. But he goes, I didn't come the provided approach. Bring him here. He said, I got myself. I got in myself because I seen the vision was going to make him well. But you have to come God's approach. They brought him over there, laid him in my hands on him. I said, God, I pray that you'll make this little fellow well. You said that you'd do it. And the little fella gasped three, four times and passed out completely. And I thought, and the mother began to scream. And she said, oh, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. I thought, what just happened? And I said, oh, my, there it is. There's Graham Snelling standing there, and he's a blonde head that's supposed to be sitting over there 
with the curly hair. And that's supposed to be an old woman. There's supposed to be an old woman sitting there in the chair. That was the furniture and everything, but it wasn't right. I didn't come the right approach. God requires you to come the right way. How his word outlines it, to come through the blood of Christ. There's no other way to approach him but through the blood of the Lamb. Your merits, your this, your that, there's nothing. And God is showing here through this, through this message that God cares about every detail. And here Brother Branham had a vision even that he, God had shown that it was going to take place. But he jumped it and put his own, his own person or his own thoughts right there into, the, into, the, uh, into action or, or went ahead of it. And there he says, I didn't come the right approach. And that woman was supposed to be standing here by her husband and she was supposed to be leaning on the door and all that. And, and he says, and the father laid down with the baby and, 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 and she started screaming and everything. And so he just waited. And I waited a little while. And now he's like, what have I done? But I'm so thankful we have a God of grace. That even though we may become, it's not a one strike, you're out. If you're God's child, there's a way made for you. And maybe you come, maybe, maybe you approach, maybe a little way, and you say, Lord, Brother Brandon would just sit there and say, Lord, forgive me. I, I didn't come, the, I didn't wait for this and didn't wait for that. And now he's sitting waiting and he's waiting. And he says, I raised up now. And he started to see a man come in. And everybody's kind of starting to move. And it almost looks like everything's going to leave. And it's not going to happen. Not going to take place. And I can imagine all the thoughts that were going on in Brother Branham's, uh, Branham, Branham's his mind. And then he starts to see a lady coming down. And, oh, and then he finds out it's the grandmother. And things start to move. It looks like the men are leaving now for work. But then they, they come back in. And he starts to see it shift back. And he raised up. And the mother come. And she called the baby my name. And she says, is the baby living? Is it better? And the wife said, oh, no. It's, it's about dead. And she put her hands on the wall. Started crying. You know... We can speak it, but put yourself in that moment. The turmoil and the screaming and the crying and the, the baby's dead. And Brother Branham's like, I have, I, what have I done? I've stepped out of, uh, of God's way of approach here. This is what he, he designed. And I, I, I stepped down and he's trying to, oh God, how would you have a, have a way for me to come for this to bring back to order? And he said, the old woman, I thought, where are you going? I watched her. And she went over and sat down in that chair and took off the glasses. coming Because coming out of the cold weather, they had fogged up. Brother Snelling, or Graham, came just, just go to sit down on that. And Brother Graham, being a relation there, started crying. He just kind of came in from about to leave for work. And a young woman was crying, and everybody's crying now. And, and he says, now it's right. And I stood there. Now it's right. And he said, Mr. Emil, will you forgive me? And maybe, I don't know, in whatever situation, maybe you have certain situations, maybe inter connections with somebody or try to make something right or maybe it's between you and God but you need to come to that place where it's now right and I'm going to come the way and my approach is going to be correct and Brother Brown now stood at this place and he says will you forgive me he said why he says do you still have confidence he said I do why Billy I spoke out of turn a while ago he said I'm sorry and I'm repenting before God you know, sometimes we get in situations and we approach it wrong and all it really requires now is that. I'm sorry. And I'm repenting. I was out of turn. And that's the reason I haven't said nothing for these two hours or more. I didn't wait for the vision. And Brother Graham raised up what was revealed to me. He said, well, what, what do you mean? He said, everything's in order. If you still believe me, bring the baby. And the father picked up the baby, walked over. I said, Heavenly Father, forgive me for my stupidity and for my error. 
Now fulfill what you said you would do. If you just come the way that he desires you to come, come through Christ Jesus, Lord, I'm laying my life down at your feet. I have done wrong. I've done this. I've maybe approached you quite, not quite the right way, but I'm coming to lay my heart down at your feet. Everything is, be- is behind me. I'm surrendering my all right here at your feet, and everything's in order. Father, forgive me for my stupidity. Now fulfill what you said you would do. Laid my hands on the baby, threw his arms around, and threw its arms around his daddy's neck, and said, "Daddy, daddy, daddy!" Just like that. When it's in order, when you come the right way, God will fulfill everything that He's going to do. His word cannot lie, saints. He cannot go back on His word. I have promise after promise in the Scripture. He promised to strengthen you, and I have Scripture for it. No, no time to read it all. So in Psalms thirty-one, I'll be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Our Father promises to give you rest. He said, "I'll take my yoke upon you and learn of me." Our Father promises to take care of your needs, but my God shall supply all your need. My Father promises to answer your prayer because in his word it says ask anything in my name but you must come the right way of approach my father promises to work everything for your good because it says all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose my father promises to be with you because he said I will not fail you I will not forsake you I have not I commanded you to be strong our father promises to protect you because he said I am your refuge and your fortress My Father promises to free freedom from sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins. John 8, 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. My Father promises that nothing can separate you from Him. For I'm persuaded that neither death, life, angels, or principalities, powers, height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate you. That's my Father's promise. My Father promises you everlasting life. For if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My father, my father. I want you to say it that way. It's my father. He's my father. Abba. You know, they, they say that in Hebrew. You know, in the scripture, it's not Abba, father. It's Abba, comma, father. There's a stop there. It's this word that conveys such a much more intimate connection with your heavenly father. It's, there's, there's, a, there's a love. There's this unreasoning trust. There's this, this obedience. There's, it's just, there's so much encapsulated in that word there. I don't even have time to go in it. But it's Abba, comma, father. So when you say it, it's Abba, father. And it just connotates such a connection between you and him and he just loves to hear it because he desired fatherhood what a great papa god we have i don't say that lightly there's no circumstance there's nothing there's nothing that'll stop a promise you know, you might have an earthly father, and he might have made a promise to you, and, and all of that. And, and, and unfortunately, fathers have broken promises. It is unfortunate. But I will tell you, this father, my father, your father, Papa God, Abba Father, will never break a promise. I don't care. There's no devil. I don't care. There's no hell. I just, there's nothing. 
My goodness, I sure hope you can just drop that in your heart this morning. When he's spoken it, he's your father. He will do it. And when your father does something that you've just so longed for him to do, a child looks up to his father, and they desire to be like their father. It's a common, and you pray that, like I said, you might not have a father and such, but I will tell you, you can look up to your heavenly father, what he has done and desires to do to you. And you look at a child, look up to a parent, and they'll admire them and think, wow, he's the best. Little children, you know, they're wonderful that way. But I want to point out to you, my heavenly father, that's never left you, never forsake you. And I wonder if we could look up to him and say, that's my father. He's the best. (laughs) You know, he left heaven's ramparts and forsook it all. Said, I'm going down there, and I'm going to bear the stripes. I'm going to go into the agony of Calvary. I'm going to go on the cross. I'm going to lay my hands there. I'm going to allow the nails to go pierce through my hands. I'm going to endure the pain for my children. And we can say, oh, that's my father. That father healed, went and came down into man, healed the sick and the lame, and then continued on through, the, through time because his spirit then was released there at Calvary, and he starts healing the sick, healing the lame, dealing with the different, delivering those that are bound, and we can look and say, that's, that's my father. Amen. And he fed the multitudes. I can imagine there, he feeding the multitudes, and we could stand there and say, that's my father. That's my father. Look what he's doing. And you could, I, I just thought, oh, God, as you laid your life down on the cruel cross. And then when he rose from the dead and ascended up on high, and we could say, oh, that's my father. Yeah. I would hope this morning that the congregation here could say, yes, I have that connection. Or I desire that connection. Maybe you've seen him as, as God, the creator. and Oh, I maybe had him way up there, but he's been desiring a relationship with you as father. He says, I just want to be near you as I close. My father found me when I was lost and alone. He said, well, Brother Michael, you were raised up in a nice family. You had a father and a mother. and you didn't, How were you lost and alone? No, I was a sinner far from Jesus. I'm sorry, I don't care what kind of home you think you raised up in. You could have been the best ever, but you're a sinner, and you're lost. You're alone in your sin and your shame, and you needed a father to come find you. Young people, the little ones that are raised up in this message, I don't really care how good your home is. You are lost without Christ. I ain't going to sugarcoat nothing. I don't care how good your daddy is. My daddy is the pastor of the church. I don't really care that. If I have not found Christ, if I had not have a born-again experience and a filling of the Holy Ghost, I am lost. Period. That's why I can sing, and every one of you can sing that's been saved by grace. I was a sinner far from Jesus. I was lost and undone without God or his son. And he reached down his hand for me. And I was thinking of all these orphans that would be at an orphanage there. And how they, were, they would have no father. And just the feeling that they would stand there at a window and they look out. And their heart is desiring, where's my father? Where's my mother? And then they, they have no connect. There's, there's nothing there. And, and, and for all they know, there is nobody there. But I was just thinking, God has not lost any one of his children. 
I don't care. He never has. He never will. Because scripture says, but Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. I don't care where you were. I don't care what situation you're in. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands and thy walls are before me. You might have done things wrong, but Abraham says, you might every time you do anything wrong, you're going to get paid for it. He said, yes, sir, you'll reap what you sow, but that's got nothing to do with your salvation. You're born of the spirit of God. You've got eternal life and can no more die than God can die. You're part of God. He said, I was born a Branham. He said, you might make some other name for me. And I think of the little child, maybe in an orphanage. They don't even know who he is. And they put some name on the ledger. Well, this is who they are. We, we maybe got a first name, but we, we don't know a last name. And, and so they put some other name on the ledger. And that's who they, they think that they are. And they're standing there and wondering who, who they even came from. And Brother Bram says, you might make me some other name. Some other name won't make me one less. I'm still Branham. The name on the ledger means nothing. And Satan might have dragged you through who knows where. And you're in some sin, sick, lost orphanage of hell. And there you've been there. And Satan's put some ledger name on you. But it never changed who you are. You're still a son and daughter of God. He said, I I'll may be so disfigured someday, drawn with arthritis, have a wreck and all tore up till I took an animal, uh, till I look like an animal. But I'm still a Branham. Why? Because Branham blood's inside. I don't care who you are in an orphanage of sin somewhere, but there's something inside of you. And it's called the blood that was deposited, his spirit, life inside of you. You can't change that. I'd say, what a moment. As I imagine that little child sitting and waiting there, longing, desiring. And there they would come up and someone would come in, in there and they'd introduce themselves. They'd say, hey there, honey. They'd say, who are you? I'm your father. Can you imagine that moment? Some little girl, eight, nine years old, all alone, 10, 11 years old, all alone. She's lived in an orphanage for all her years that she can remember. And there he comes in. And there a man comes and says, Hey, honey, I'm your father. I've been looking all over for you. Sin had torn you from me. But I've searched all through the earth because I knew I had a child. And that little one there, something is because a seed inside, it starts to register. Really, you're my father? You know, you could say that, but you know what happens? One by one, and sin separated us from from God and God uh, been out there searching as we know Brother Bram talks about that Papa Eagle out there searching all over to look for and he said all sin separated us but I've done all the requirements I've filled out all the paperwork I've paid all the price it was, it was difficult there was a lot that I needed to go through but I was, it was worth it just to sit here and to look you in the eyes and say I finally found you You're my child. I've been searching. Sin had you bound and hid you aside. But my eagle eye, my eagle word went forth all over the world seven times around because I needed to find you. Hallelujah. The headmaster comes out. Who says you're the father? 
well, I filled out all the paperwork. I paid the price on Calvary. (laughs) My blood stills there. But just in case, I'm just going to give my child the word test. Can I do that? I'm going to prove to you that what's inside of her is inside of me. I deposited in her a seed long before the foundation of the world. I've just been waiting for it to ignite, and I found her now. And so I can't just stand here, and you just wait a moment, devil, because I'm going to tell her, and I'm going to give her my word. Let's see how she responds. Little one. Yes, water. My word says, ask anything in my name, believing. Do you believe that? Oh, something inside of me just wells up and says, yes, Lord. I believe every word of that. See, devil. Little one, my word says that there's a Holy Ghost experience that I can give you. I was released. My spirit was released on Calvary. And I can feel my life can feel with the Holy Ghost. You can have a fresh Pentecostal experience here in this day and age. You can be holy filled with God transformed. Oh, yes, Lord. I believe it. My word says that I and my father are one. I'm not father, son, Holy Ghost. I'm one God. Do you believe that? Everywhere that's what's resonated in me. I knew this. All this was said. This was confusing. I couldn't get it. But when that word came by my way, it said, yes, he's my Lord, my Savior, my Christ. He came and died for me. Do you believe that? I believe every word. See, devil, your word doesn't strike and resonate, but my word draws her to my side. My son, in the garden, my daughter, something happened in the garden. He says it's an apple, but I'm going to tell you, this is what happened. Eve was beguiled and had a relationship with her, and Cain was produced and injected sin into the humanity. It all makes sense. Your word now makes sense. That's why it's virgin birth. Now I understand why you had to come and redeem man. It had to be a created blood cell because only God could save man. No man can save man. Yes, I understand it's been revealed to me. That's my child. Just so now there's no mistake or no misunderstanding, I'm just taking her now with me. Hallelujah! That moment when that little one starts walking out the door. I have a father. He knows my name. Yes, he does. He's been searching for you. Hallelujah. I'd hate to be. Musicians, why don't you come? Philip, show us the father and it will suffice us. Have I not been with you, Philip? You've not seen me? The father was there in front of them, and they were missing him in that office. Philip was looking at the father, speaking to him. But Abraham said, that's the way God could be seen. No man has seen the Father at any time, but only begotten Son hath declared him.
I would pray this morning God through this message that was the son of man there in flesh and they were missing the expressing attributes of fatherhood through him do you think that today at the revealing of the son of man that the humanity will be missing the expression of fatherhood once again absolutely and I would just pray that's why the, this word came this message came if I could say it this way to reestablish fatherhood Amen. I'm not talking naturally spiritually you in a relationship with your Abba Father that when you can kneel down and pray you're praying in a very maybe very different way that your connection you realize he's my father and you can approach him in that capacity as a son or a daughter would do a father maybe this morning So I don't really, haven't really known him in that capacity or maybe just, I would say, Lord, would you strengthen or instill or that connection with him? I know maybe some don't even have a father. I say, he is all you need this morning. He knows you don't have maybe those that on a natural level. But I would this morning just want to tell you Everything a father is, he is. And desiring to exude those characteristics and pour that on you this morning. If I could say fill in the voids maybe that are there, maybe on a natural aspect, but you need to turn to him. And I would want to say, Lord, would the people be able to grasp and I can approach him this way. I can approach my Lord. Father, I really need you now. And he can meet your need. He's a nourisher. He's the provider. He's the strength giver. He's the deliverer. He's the sustainer. What do you need this morning? Brother Bram spoke the message many times. Show us the Father. We out of all ages have had the Father displayed in a way that no other ages have ever had him displayed. So there's no way that you could say, well, I don't know, I haven't ever, he's just not tangible to me. He's a tangible God. And he's here this morning to meet your need as a father. But if you don't speak to him, how is he going to respond? Daughter, son, you need to talk to him. You say, Father, I need you today. My life is a turmoil. I've got so much strain and stresses on my mind. I don't have support in this area. I don't have someone to help me here. I, I need a father. 
says, I can protect you. I can keep you. I can lift you up. He didn't say we wouldn't go through the trial, but he's there to support and to nourish and to sustain and bring you through the trial. Why don't we stand this morning? You know, in those times when I'm just going to go off of alone experience. You know, when you have a moment with your father, it's a very intimate, personal moment. And that's maybe what the Lord's desiring you to do is you need to come to a little place. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in a little bedroom somewhere. Maybe it's here in a pew. I don't know. But God, that, that connection, if I could say that conversation, that relationship, when I have those close conversations with my father or my son with me, it's me and him. It's not me and the whole family. It's not me and the whole church. It's me and my father. And he just wants you maybe to have that moment between you and him. Forget everyone else. Who cares? Maybe you you need to leave here and go to a little quiet place and you need to have that one-on-one with your father. And he's ready to hear your every need. Let's sing that song, I Have a Father. He knows my name. Sweetly and tenderly, I have a father. He knows calls me his own. Sing this to him now. And he'll never leave. Oh, no matter where I go. sound a little differently but I want to personalize it this morning Lord you know my name you know my every thought and you see each tear that I've cried 
You see the sorrow and the burdens of my soul. You see my heartache. You see my struggle. You see the obstacle ahead of me. You know, because you're my father. Sing that to him in a personal way to him this morning. Lord, you know I need to speak to you just now. with you Lord really changes the whole relationship between you and each one of your children to realize that you so desired fatherhood Lord Lord and there I know there are people here listening right now that Lord there's a void in that area maybe spiritually maybe naturally and maybe both Lord, I pray this morning that you would reveal yourself to that soul in such a greater way. You would fill that area that only a heavenly Father can. You would nourish and strengthen, Lord. You would use your people. Lord, for each one here is a vessel that you can use to express your attributes through, Lord. Someone might get a little unction to call somebody. Maybe someone needs prayer. Lord, the Spirit of Christ, the attributes of the Father live and move through each one of us here this morning. We want to be sensitive to your leading of your Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that anybody here would just take this time. Somehow, Lord, you would have spoken to their heart. They'd take the time be able to say today Abba Father I'm in great need that's what we're here for Lord we're not here to sing and shout and that's wonderful but Lord we're really here for your word to transform us and deal with our hearts Lord bring us closer to you So I pray, Lord, this morning, this service will somehow brought someone a little closer to you, Lord, or challenge their little heart to come before you and kneel down and say, my father, can we talk a little while? I have a need I haven't been able to express. Sometimes it's hard to start the conversation with your father. But you find out, Lord, after a little bit, it wasn't as hard as we 
our mind has told us to. And so, Lord, would you give the strength, the courage, maybe for, for prayers to be made, for a conversation and communion with you this day, Lord. So I commit this service and all that would transpire, Lord, to the day now into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name, amen, Lord. really going to close the service it's Sunday we have one service today you do as you feel and I just thought I'd just sing as we would go I've sung this song so many times through these few days there's room at the cross for you Let's just sing that maybe as the Lord moves and deals with your heart. There's room. We can sing the chorus. There's room. Thank you.